Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday and uh, we are here today and Rita Cosby is right next to me. Rita? We had a great, it's been a, a busy day and a great day and a, today. And a busy week and uh, Judge, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg here. We have Governor David Patterson and a special guest. We have a uh, former FBI, how do you say it? Assistant Director in Charge. In other Assistant words, the Director big in Charge. George Venizelos here and he had, you had, one big uh, lunch today with Federal Law Enforcement yep. Foundation. Uh, we talked about it this morning on uh, on Sid's show. Uh, you had like a thousand people, twelve hundred yeah. people. Yeah, we had over a thousand people um, for the lunch, and we had over three hundred people for the award ceremonies in the morning. And, and tell wow. us about it. Tell all our audience about it because finally we're honoring our yes. our uh, federal agents, and we're honoring our a men in blue. Uh, tell us it's, about uh, yeah, you had a thousand people there. Who was there? Who's who? Well, we right? the, basically it's the federal federal law enforcement foundation that does this every year. It's been doing it for. 30, it was named after years. James Fox. Yeah, well, James Fox and um, Tony Bogombo started it uh, thirty five years ago, and this is the the award ceremony for all the agencies, the federal agencies that we do, and um, it's always well intended. It's something that they look forward to, and what we do is we. The agencies nominate cases, and, we, and they we honor all these successful cases they do for the year. And so this morning, you had over 300 people. Uh, you had head, the head of every agency went up and presented their awards for their people. It was it was a tremendous sight. And these cases, it's not just federal agencies; it's state police, it's, it's NYPD, it's you know detectives of joint task force cases. It just brings the community together once a year. At the end of the year. Well, and I want you to know, I felt it's very safe there. I felt like yeah. I was in the safest place in the world. Yeah. And, 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 and patriotic. You know, it was so nice. And John, uh, and, you and, got a lot of shout outs. They love you there. Yeah. And the governor was there and, and gave a great speech. Yeah, she was, uh, she gave a pro law enforcement speech. And the head of the FBI in New York. And, um, James Smith. Right. And also the, the, the police commissioner gave us good speech. Caban gave the best yeah. speech yeah. I've ever, uh, uh, yeah. heard from him. No, he was it very was great. good. It Jeff Blau from Related, the CEO, he gave a great speech, too. My favorite was when uh, when Governor Hochul got up there and she said, if I hear uh, somebody say defund the police again, I'm going to go crazy. In other words, she was very supportive of right. law enforcement. And, and, and that her, was beautiful. Her, her husband was a U.S. attorney, and I understand her son is now a district attorney. No, no, he's an assistant U.S. attorney. Assistant, assistant U.S. attorney. Follow his father's footsteps. And there's, there's yeah. another relative was uh, in law enforcement. Yeah, there was somebody else, too. Oh, sister-in-law yeah. is the district attorney. Yeah. And yes. three U.S. attorneys were yeah. there, uh, the Eastern yeah. District. Eastern, and Southern, and New Jersey. And New Jersey. So the support that came out at the head of every agency, head of state police in New Jersey and New York were both there. So the support that was given was tremendous. And it's, 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 it's for the community comes together once a year, and, and, and we, we thank them. And, and we honor the great work they're doing. Because yeah, nobody, let's face it, a lot of them don't get on. And they look forward to it. Their families come in the morning. It's a, These people who come, come to these awards ceremonies, they're excited. 
And they're proud of what they've done. You know what's important too, George? So many of the people there are unsung heroes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also some of the things that the Federal Law Enforcement Foundation does is also help families. Yes. If somebody is, is killed in the line of duty. Absolutely. To me, I mean, I think it is such an important reminder that there are so many incredible, brave men and women on the front lines every single day protecting us. And right. And we, and we give 200 scholarships, so, you know, a year to onboard people, um, their kids. Well, yeah. this is this is the real uh, the real foundation yeah. uh, where, hey, uh, you, the FBI has always been involved in it. I mean, right. we know where all the mm-hmm. money is. We get certified Absolutely. statements from uh, uh, from our accountants, right. and uh, no, it's been rough. Well, George, you do a great job. Yeah, bravo. Thank you, and I want to thank you for all your support and uh, and your and your listeners supporting law enforcement. This is about supporting law enforcement. The bottom line. Well, they love you too, yeah. and everybody there yeah. appreciated yeah. you and John so much. Now, it was wonderful. Now Santos <laughs> is out. Oh, Santos oh. is out. Whoa, he may and, be uh, uh, facing a lot of law enforcement. Congressman <laughs> Anthony uh, Esposito to talk about it, and uh, there's no more Santos. And uh, Congressman, how are you? Uh, boy, it was dramatic today. Uh, tell us, were you surprised how the vote? I know where you stand, but uh, everybody, we didn't know which way it was going to go today. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think that, um, you know, during the debate yesterday, we heard from from both sides as to why they thought that uh, George Santos should stick around um, and, and about precedent. And I think we made a, a compelling uh, point that if, if there's going to be a precedent set and it, it is about holding members of Congress to a higher standard, I think that's what the American people want and it's what they expect. Uh, additionally, I mean, the ethics report was scathing. It was a, a job well done by, by Chairman Guest and the ethics committee who, uh, you know, looked over 170,000 pages of documents. They looked, uh, they, they handled over 40 subpoenas. They conducted interviews of dozens of witnesses. Uh, and, and really, the, the ethics report revealed what many of us New Yorkers already knew. And I believe that's really what made the change from the last expulsion vote uh, to today. Now, what do you say, Congressman D'Esposito, to people, and this includes also the new speaker, Mike Johnson, who says, you know, it sets a dangerous precedent because this is the first time someone who has not been convicted of a crime and you go back, it's like, uh, like what, uh, four, uh, what is three In of them? History. Were, three of them, right? Members of the Confederates. <laughs> Well, I don't think he's a Confederate, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> we don't know. He, he may have said in the past that he is a Confederate. I'm not really sure. But, <laughs> yeah, but in but, Brazil, in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what it comes down to, I believe, is this, is that uh, if you rewind back in history and, and over the last few weeks, I have done that, you know, in doing some research into expulsions and, and how the House has handled it. And there's there's two things here. Number one, we have never experienced a George Santos ever. Number two, uh, the fact is, is that George, you know, he he needed to go. I, I mean, people have had enough. He's taken the the ability for us to focus on doing the things that we were sent there to do. And he needed to be expelled. And if, if there's a time uh, where, again, we could have set a new precedent, uh, it was today. And, and that was to hold us more accountable. But, but but lastly, and I think what's important is that there's only been a, a limited number of people expelled because those who were really in the wrong and uh, didn't do right by their constituents and by the institution, they had the brains to resign. That's why they weren't expelled. And that's what George Santos should have done. <clears throat> 
What um, what about Jamal Bowman, who pulled the fire alarm? You know, I mean, and and some people are talking about Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. I mean, he was a principal. He pulled the fire alarm. Then it was like, oh, I didn't do it. He got caught on tape doing it. And Santos is saying, well, what about him? Well, and that, and that's understandable. And you know what? Jamal Bowman, I believe there is going to be a resolution on the floor uh, next week for him. And, you know, he he can, can he he was committed a crime uh, in the middle of us trying to elect a new speaker. He was charged with it. And uh, after we review the, the resolution, if, if there's a, a stance to to throw him out, well, then, you know, what? we, we need to start holding ourselves to a higher standard than than individuals who are acting like children and carrying them on, carrying themselves on like it's a circus, pulling fire alarms to avoid people voting in, a, in a, an election for Speaker of the House. It's absolutely ridiculous. And Rashid Tlaib, I, I have supported. Uh, she is a, you know, she should not be a member of Congress. She hates the United States of America. She hates Israel. She, I, I'm not even sure why an individual like that wants to be a member of the House of Representatives. Congressman, when, when I became a U.S. citizen, because I was born uh, abroad, I came here six months old, I had to go downtown at six years old and pledge allegiance to the United States of America. And these people, how could she be a congressman? Uh, she hates America. Absolutely. And, and, and John, you know what? Not only do, do we pledge that when, when people come into this country the right way, but we also pledge that when we take our oath. Uh, to be members of Congress, to defend this country and this nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And little do we know that some of our greatest enemies have actually taken the oath and are sitting on the floor of our country, of, of our Congress. Yeah, it this, is. This shocking. has to be straightened out. Enough is enough. It's got to be straightened out. Yeah, it is. It's shocking. Judge Weinberg. Good to talk to you again, Congressman. Speaking about enough is enough, tell us about your resolution on congestion pricing. How many nails they want to put in their coffin of new york what do you say about that i think it's uh, it, it's a never-ending problem it's it's what we've seen in the past it's the state of new york with that overreach whether they over you know they, they keep overreaching first it started with criminal justice reform and cashless bail then it went to them trying to uh you know impose ancillary housing and take the take away zoning rights of of local municipalities now we see it with congestion i mean just yesterday or the day before uh the the uh the the president of TWU uh, resigned from a, a post uh, that had to do uh, with with uh, congestion pricing because or of of transportation because of the issue of congestion pricing and how poorly it's it's attempted to be implemented. And again, it's just that cash grab. It is an attempt to tax hardworking New Yorkers and people that live in the tri-state area. It's very, very important your resolution gets passed and they're held accountable because this is the wrong time when we're recovering from bad economics and a COVID disaster. We need to get this straightened out. There's no reason to go rushing to do this now, and I agree with you, Congressman. Good luck on your resolution. And and, and to add to that, we we need to make sure that ridiculous policies like this in blue states throughout this country are not utilizing federal funds to implement this garbage. Yeah, it is. It is just the worst time to be doing that. Um, Congressman, thank you very, very much. Congressman uh, Anthony D'Esposito for always fighting the good fight. We appreciate it. Be well. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, let's go to, uh, I, I believe we have, uh, we have Alan Professor Dershowitz. Dershowitz here. Yeah. I love you the do. professor. I do we too. All do. We, we all do. do. We all do. Professor Dershowitz, it's so great to have you back here on the show. 
Um, oh, I love you guys. Thank the, you. Yeah, boy, I, I have so much to talk with you about. I'm going to start right with this. Uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Trump may be sued over the January 6th uh, claims. An appeal court has ruled. Is this like... Uh, like the floodgates opening? I mean, he doesn't have enough lawsuits against him. I guess he needs 5,000 more. Well, it uh, opens up uh, the floodgates for any president uh, who does anything while uh, campaigning or in questionable situations. You know, what he was doing on, on January 6th was a mixed picture. He was being partly presidential and, and partly, uh, you know, adversarial. And it, it ought to be resolved in favor of what he was doing that's presidential. He had a broad concept of what's presidential. So the court was wrong. Now, whether the Supreme Court affirms that or not, I don't know. Look, the Supreme Court, nine to nothing, made a terrible mistake in Bill Clinton's case, allowing him to be sued by uh, a woman and taking time from his being the president for all of us to having to respond to a uh, a lawsuit that was old and had to do with when he was um, governor. So the Supreme Court hasn't always been right on these issues. And I think it regrets having made that decision in the Clinton case. And we'll see what it does in this case, because ultimately that issue will come before the Supreme Court, obviously. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, also, what do you think of the fact, speaking of January 6th, and we're going to have on John Solomon later on in the show, um, he's who's, guy, yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's such always great scoops. He's got some big breaking news. They lost news. the records. How can that be possible? Yeah, they lost the records. They lost some of the footage and documents in the but January then, and, 6th and that, committee. Deposition testimony, Alan. They're supposed it's to maintain ridiculous. those records. Look, I won a case many years ago. Um, one of the first cases I ever won because the FBI failed to preserve records. And um, I was representing people who were accused of a very, very serious crime, and the Second Circuit set them all free as the result of it. And I suspect we're going to see similar considerations. You just can't destroy records. Um, mostly that's criminal if you do it. Uh, when Congress does it, it's not criminal, but it's certainly very wrong. But there's an affirmative obligation to maintain records. Sure, sure. But, the, you know, the head of the committee, Benny Thompson, came out and he said, oh, I didn't really know. I mean, come on. He has been in Congress for how many years? Uh, it's standard procedure, and it's such a historic case. It, it, that's almost laughable, his, his answer. Well, maybe there was something there that he wants people to see. Maybe so, well, Professor. Especially when you know, especially when you know a case is likely to come to litigation and the records will be subpoenaed. Um, it comes very close to an obstruction of justice. George Venizelos is in the office, uh, in the studio with us, and George was with the FBI for 25 years. George, I mean, have you seen that at all? Uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, losing records like that? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's not often if, you know, if, if at all. Um, but what, uh, you know, if they did lose them, then, you know, I don't know how they could convict these people. That's, that's the problem. Also, I'm not sure they lost them completely. I mean, with today's technology, there are so many ways of retrieving things right. that seem lost. So I think the first step ought to be to use all the technology we have to try to see if we can restore it. But after that, they have to be held accountable for what they did. But, you know, the whole thing with January 6th is so fishy because some of the new footage that came out a couple of days ago 
You see them just kind of walking around. I'm not saying FBI. I'm saying the whole committee, George, because it's like, you see, it's a whole different portrayal. They make it sound like, you know, if you were within, you know, 50 miles of the Capitol, you had your records subpoenaed. And that was courtesy Mm -hmm. of the congressional committee. And and it fails to treat people as individuals. People were there in very, very different capacities. There were some people who really wanted to obstruct and they should be prosecuted. There were those who just wanted to object and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And they shouldn't be prosecuted. Some of them were waved in. One of my clients was waved in by the police. We have a video videotape of it. And he's being prosecuted for a felony and was denied the ability to graduate law school. So we're fighting back against that kind of thing. Good. Bravo, bravo. Before we let you go, Professor Dershowitz, all these protests that are taking place, um, it was really out of hand this week. And you saw some of the protesters at some of these anti-Semitic protests punching the police. It was so disgusting. Um, and it was at a tree lighting. It was the Rockefeller right. Center tree lighting. They were protesting outside of Rosalind Carter's funeral. I mean, these people have no and, and we're heading into a holiday season. They're trying to block shoppers. It's, I hope. Yeah, I hope the public really reacts negatively. Uh, you know, all the pro-Israel demonstrations have been orderly and decent on campuses in Washington, and the anti-Israel demonstrations have not been. And um, they think they can get away with it because on college campuses they do because the administrators refuse to hold them accountable. So they go now in front of Rockefeller Center, they go to the library, and, you know, they're coming to a theater near you because they're not going to be satisfied with protests. They're going to start doing what happened in the 1970s. They're going to start bombing places and attacking people and killing people. Uh, These are Nazi youth, a lot of them. Some of them are ignorant Nazi youth. Some of them are deliberate. But they hate America, and they want to overthrow this country. They don't care about the Palestinians. They care about not having the United States be the dominant force in the world. And, Professor, just to – oh, I was just going to say, just to amplify what you're saying – uh, the pro-Israel demonstration that went to Washington, D.C. had 300,000 people there without incident. That's and right. the pro-Palestinian, uh, when uh, that movement, when they get together, you can't get 75 people there without some kind of violent incident. Well, first of all, the sponsors. Remember, these are the same people that sponsored protests on October 8th before Israel ever sent a single troop into Gaza. Uh, so these are not people who are protesting uh, the lack of a ceasefire or what's going on in Gaza. These are people who deny Israel the right to exist and support Hamas and support rapes and killings and uh, beheadings and kidnappings. So uh, they are revolutionaries. They're like the people in the 1970s, the weathermen, and they should be treated that way. Yeah, bravo. Uh, we're talking to Professor Alan Dershowitz, Judge Weinberg. Alan, I'll tell you, it's also very troubling. I've been reading reports a large number of Jewish students who otherwise would be applying to the Ivy League schools are now not going to mm-hmm. apply because they've been intimidated and are afraid for their own safety. Places like Harvard and Brown yeah. and Cornell. I mean, so in a very I, I large sense. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think you. I think they should go to the schools and they should fight back. I agree. And they should make the administrations listen to them as much as they listen to the anti-Israel groups. There are as many of them. You know, it's just that the anti-Israel groups get more attention and are louder and are more violent. But there are lots of pro-Israel students at universities. Look, I was at Harvard 60 years. I know the situation there. By the way, I've often testified against Harvard as a whistleblower before the Department of Education, which is now investigating Harvard. And I know all the secrets. So I hope they'll call on me to testify against 
the university I was associated with, I am still associated Alan, with. Alan, you're absolutely right. Years. You can't allow these thugs to yeah. intimidate yeah. on college campuses. Absolutely. Otherwise, the thugs win. Yeah, yes. you're right. Yes. Bravo. Let's, right. Uh, well, Alan Dershowitz, we have to take a break now, but thank you for uh, coming always, on, and thank you for your wisdom. Pleasure. Have thank a great weekend. You. Let's, let's take a break, and when we come back, we got Larry Kudlow on, and uh, we'll see how the economy is doing. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. What is, what is today's our country's leading economist, uh, Larry Kudlow? Uh, Larry, where the heck are we? Well, it's all kind of interesting. Stocks up almost 800 points in the last two days. Market interest rates are plunging. The 10-year bond is down almost a full percentage point in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Saudi OPEC cut production, but oil is falling. Uh, Does that mean nobody believes they cut it? Well, I think it believes there's a global recession developing is what I think. They're going to, they will cut back on production. But Brent crude down below $80 a barrel. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Uh, the ISM manufacturing report fell again. I think it's the ninth or tenth consecutive decline for U.S. manufacturing. And if that weren't good enough, Ron DeSantis cleaned Gavin Newsom's clock last night. I did, I did watch it. I did watch it. And uh, the comparison of where would you rather live, Florida or California, there yeah. was no no doubt about it. It had to be Florida. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, listen, 13% tax versus zero. <laughs> That's right there is probably all you need to know. But lower unemployment, less government spending, people migrating to Florida. And it's true for all the red states. I mean, the idea of less government spending, lower taxes, lower regulations, even drill, baby, drill. I mean, that's what the red states are doing. And they're attracting people and businesses left and right. So it's a very interesting story. Sean Hannity did a great job, I think, uh, as the host. Gavin Newsom had a bad night. He kept denying the facts. You can't do that. That's not a good debating tactic when you're looking right at the numbers. And um, Ron DeSantis had a good night. I, I do believe you're absolutely right there. Ron DeSantis did have a good night. He's doing a good job in Florida. And uh, he's just got to get his people skills up. Yeah, well, he does. <laughs> yes, that's true. But he helped himself for the future. I don't think it changed anything. I think Trump's going to be the uh, Republican nominee. Uh, but the key point that Sean Hannity was interested in was how the red states are kicking butt over the blue states. And that's really the key point. And I think that came out last night. It was really a very good debate. Uh, but again, these markets, stocks love lower interest rates. Now, they may not love them if lower interest rates are going to spell recession next year, which I still believe is a very strong possibility. But for the moment, the Cudlow Trust is doing very well. The Dow is rallying like crazy. Oil prices are down. Gasoline prices are down. And um, the only other thing I want to say is... Is Joe Biden going to stand up and say Bidenomics works? (laughs) Well, he won't if there's a recession. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. But um, 
Anyway, I was going to say something brilliant, but I forgot it when you interrupted. Oh, my <laughs> God, I apologize. I apologize for interrupting, Larry. You know, a good host never interrupts, John. Just saying. I, I'm still learning, you know. <laughs> well, I know. You're doing a good job. You're coming along nicely, but every now and then there's a slip. Well, I apologize. Well, right. Larry Kudlow, I uh, hope you have a great weekend, and uh, thank you for calling in. My great pleasure. Bye, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Okay, let's take a break right now, and uh, when we come back, who do we have, Rita? We have uh, the very spirited uh, former spokesperson for the Israeli consulate, some huge developments happening in Israel, and we're going to talk about that and get the update on Grimaldi's Pizza, too, John. They were sending them to back the blue at the protest that took place. Uh, we're going to get an update. I'd love to have a pizza. Do we have any pizza Ooh, in the studio? Maybe we need a hint. Matt, we, we do. Need, do we have any pizza in the studio? Yeah, Why don't we, you bring some in? Yeah, what are we doing a show where we're not All like right, serve let's, pizza? Let's, have some, uh, let's take that break <laughs> and let's uh, maybe we'll take some Grimaldi pizza. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And as we're waiting for the pizza, uh, there's some huge developments, by the way, that are happening in Israel. Some really sad news that just came out recently. Uh, five hostages uh, have been killed. We're trying to get details on this. And obviously the fighting has started. And it looks like there's some very concerning comments coming from the Biden administration. Joining us here on Cats and Cosby to talk about all of this is Shahar Azani. He is the former spokesman for the Israeli consulate in New York. Uh, Shahar, um, first off, um, do we know, how, first of all, how these hostages died? And, and what's the latest on that little boy, the 10-month-old Kafir, uh, the youngest hostage? Well, um, I'm, first of all, always great to be with you. Um, pleasure and with all mm-hmm. of our listeners. I can tell you that um, nothing has come out officially. Hamas still insists that they murdered them in captivity, of course, attributing it to an Israeli offensive against them. Um, We still have no confirmation that that's the case. And until we do, there is no reason to believe an an evil, nefarious organization like Hamas that's using psychological warfare. May I remind everyone that even in the past weeks, they announced that Hannah Katsir, 76-year-old, that she she was also dead, and then she was one of those who were released. So we are still hanging on to hope that the Absolutely. Biba family will find their way. And I'll also remind that they um, just uh, released a video of the father of the Biba's uh, uh, kids and the mother. Um, and the father, who's also held in captivity by them, he was told that his family was uh, not, no, no longer among the living and was asked, of course, demanded to record a video crying and demanding that Israel and Prime Minister Netanyahu do so-so. And so I have to tell you personally, I'm not watching any of their uh, psychological warfare videos, but it just goes to show you to what lows these monsters would go to in their offensive against humanity. You know what I saw, uh, Shaharazani also, this is so, it, just the, the stories of what they did to the kids, and we just heard that uh, Hamas burned the child hostages with motorcycle exhaust pipes to mark them, to say these are the ones, uh, you know, don't let them get away. Um, you, you know, it, it's the barbarism and the fact that, look, Hamas clearly broke uh, the deal. That's why now the fighting has started. They started firing rockets. Everyone has said that, um, uh, uh, other than Hamas. Um, 
But but are you worried where the, I'm hearing some of this rhetoric lately and it's been very public of Antony Blinken who came out and there was also, a, you know, a reciting of him saying privately a discussion. You don't have the credit. In other words, questioning Israel's fight, uh, saying you shouldn't really do what you did of northern Gaza and southern Gaza. You know, I, I believe Israel has the right to do whatever they want to go in. They got to eradicate Hamas. They got to go full throttle. But are you worried of this sort of waffling by some very key people in America? Well, Rita, first of all, you mentioned one of the most important points. Can you imagine marking the flesh of Jewish children and where that takes us in the history of humanity? You know exactly what the intention here is. And I can also share with you that one of the, um, one of the released hostages, a Filipino who was uh, a caretaker for an 80-year-old Israeli, was released. And he said something. He said a sentence that gave me the chills. He said, I'm happy I wasn't Jewish because the Jews were treated very cruelly and were beaten with electrical wires. So just imagine the kind of barbarism that we're talking about. As for the U.S. administration, I want to be very clear. The eradication of Hamas is not just an Israeli cause. It's a global goal. It's a global cause of humanity, because Hamas is an inspiration to terrorists globally, and the fear of the rising force such as that and the threat that it may pose on American streets to U.S. citizens, if it's not eradicated the way it should be, goes far beyond Israel. We know all too well that what starts in Israel doesn't end in Israel. We remember the suicide bombing that Hamas, yes, exactly the same Hamas, perpetrated in the 90s, which made their way to the U.S. and the world. And we know exactly where this is headed. This is why we have to be done with the task of eradicating Hamas, no matter what. And I can assure you, it's not just a political demand. I don't know an Israeli. An Israeli or any justice and peace-loving person who doesn't stand by this demand unequivocally and clearly. I agree. We're talking to Shahar Azani, uh, the former spokesman for the Israeli consulate in New York. Uh, Judge Weinberg. Shahar, it's good to have you back on the show. I'll tell you what troubles me. Pleasure. You're absolutely correct that the, the Jews and the Israelis are the first ones up but they're going after Western civilization. That means they're going after the Christians, and they're going after any other right. religion that doesn't agree with them, whether it's Buddhists or Hindus. This really is a war of civilizations. And what I'm troubled by, what I'm troubled by... They just is, attacked Christmas in the city. Exactly. They went after the tree lighting ceremony. Exactly right. right. And so what I'm concerned about is the failure of the large sectors of the world, including in Europe, who do not understand this. So how do we turn this around so they clearly understand the danger that the world faces. Judge, you're absolutely correct, but I truly feel that post-October 7th slaughter and massacre by Hamas, we are entering a new phase uh, of diplomacy and of advocacy. This is an age of accountability. We have even seen trends in the United Kingdom, in Germany, in France, to start taking actual measures against the kind of barbarism that we've witnessed and all those who support such barbarism. I'm speaking to you now from the Jewish National uh, Fund General Con Conference in Denver. Outside, they were barely able to get a dozen demonstrators who stand there in support of Hamas's barbarism. That, Judge Enrica, gives me great hope that I know that the silent majority is with humanity, with civilization and against barbarism, but it's high time that the silent majority makes its voice heard, not just in the hallways of diplomacy and politics, but reaching the international organizations and the United Nations, which reaches a hand into our pocket. 
paying billions of dollars out of your taxpayer money to fund UNRWA, who's one of their teachers was holding Israeli hostages in the attic without food or medication. That's your money should not go to pay the salary of a barbaric Hamas operative, also nicknamed as an UNRWA teacher, quote-unquote, who's holding innocent hostages. That's not where our money should go to. There are enough needs here in the U.S. that our money could serve, definitely not supporting terror in such a way. So so what's the status right now? I mean, um, how long have we been fighting again? You're right. You're right. We have uh, we have a big task ahead of us. We've we've made these demands and I've made it personally as a diplomat with my friends for many years. And it's time it becomes more than words. We demand action. We've seen Ambassador Gilad Erdan at the U.N. making such measures, actually threatening revoking visas from U.N. officials who are coming to Israel. And I believe we will see much more of that coming uh, in the next month and so, bottom line, right now, at this moment, we uh, Israel and Hamas are still at war. Right now, Israel is fully intent on eradicating Hamas's presence in the south of Israel the way it should be. There is no solution but Hamas disappearing from the map of influence of the Middle East for the sake of Israel, for the sake of the moderate Arab regime, for the sake of the United States of America, and for the sake of the civilized world. There is no other solution, Judge. Yeah, there, there is no yeah, other solution. Right. And by the way, the leader of Hamas came out yesterday and said that October 7th was a dress rehearsal. That is frightening. In other words, over and over again, um, Shaharzani, uh, former governor. Lisa, I guess, Lisa, remember, remember the, the brain cancer that the same leader of Hamas received treatment in an Israeli prison, saving his life against yeah. brain cancer. And, and he ended up taking the life of the nephew of the surgeon who saved his life. These are the barbarics we're talking about. These are animals. And uh, Governor Patterson, you have a quick question for Shaharazani. Yeah, that is a horrible story. Uh, Ambassador, I don't think that the uh, these other countries, for some reason, are going to act. It would seem that in two months they would have figured out what, what's actually going on. I think it may be incumbent upon the Israeli government to just go ahead and and really put all resource, resources into wiping out Hamas and just recognizing that maybe they're not going to get the support that they should have gotten. Correct. We're not relying on anyone. Hamas is a clear and present danger, not just, not just to Israel, but to humanity. But first and foremost, to Israel, I can assure you, Governor, we have no intention of allowing the monstrosity that is Hamas to continue to fester on our southern border, no matter what anyone says, because this is clear and present danger for any human being and definitely any Israeli on that, uh, in that area of the world. We've seen what they were capable of. Rita just mentioned the idea of taking, you know what they did to the 12-year-old child, Eitan Yalomi? They forced him to watch the horrors that they did. It is. Uh, in the it is. Of the slaughter. Shahar. When they cried, they pointed a gun. It is so horrible. And I'm so glad that you are on and speaking and letting the world thank know you about for coming it. coming on. Shahar, thank, thank you. you. We're with you. Thank and, you. And we'll be talking again real soon. Thank you. Thank you, Shahar. Very, and very let's much. Let's go. Anthony. I've been waiting for that all day, John. <laughs> Where's Anthony? Grimaldi's Pizza. And, and supporting we just, the uh, police. We just had. The only person that didn't eat it was uh, Judge Weinberg. Oh, Jesus. Why? I, I don't know. Judge Kosha, what I'm, happened? Because I'm going out to dinner tonight, Anthony. I'm having Italian food, so I don't want... 
That's your Trump. Oh, oh, what is that? You don't, and everything's downhill from here. This is the best. That's, a, that's true. What are you talking I've had about? I've pizza for years, and I adore it. And, All right, now, Linda, oh, thank Anthony. You, thank you so much. The other we night, love you, Anthony. The other night, you had oh. 350 boxes of Grimaldi's pizza feeding the police officers at Rockefeller Center. Tell they, us about it. They did a tremendous job. The police officers, they kept the city, our tree, intact. They did a fantastic job. Only one thing, I was there with the mic, with all the uh, protesters. I think they think it's a Halloween show. I don't know what, I, I don't even think they know what they're there for. They just want to make havoc. But the one thing that disturbed me was it had a lot of migrants in the, in, in, in the groups. What are they doing there? I, I, Maybe they were given a hundred bucks a piece by somebody. It, it has to be something. Why would they? I said, what the hell do they have to do with this? That's an interesting, but to throw them out. I mean, they're sitting there protesting, especially the ones that are saying burn the American flag, which some of them are. Come on. Yeah, they have to go because they're really nasty. I mean, we got some beautiful ones, the great migrants. They're really going to help the city. But we have a handful of not nice people because you walk down the streets now in Manhattan. I don't feel like it's our city no more. I feel like I'm I'm in a different country. And the other day, they were cooking on the on a grill on a rotisserie with with briquettes. It looked like a dog. It was it was a on Sixth uh, Avenue. Oh. Yeah, on Sixth Avenue. I couldn't believe it. It was it was a thing. It was like a guinea pig. I, I, what is that? Wow. Now let me let oh. me ask you, Anthony. Anthony, wait. How do you say it, John? Anthony. Anthony. All right, right. So, Anthony, let me ask yeah. you. What about the response from police? Because police have such oh, a yeah. tough job. We were just at the federal law enforcement uh, luncheon today, which was amazing to see all these. But you know, I I feel like. Anything we can do to support our police. They must have been so happy because they're dealing with the protests. They're dealing with the Christmas tree. They got a lot on their plate. And then you come oh. with these great warm pizzas. What was their reaction? They, they were great. They, they were all happy. The only thing I have to do next time, I'm going to bring coffee. I'm going to bring some, they want, everybody's asking, I'm going to bring some coffee, hot drinks because it's cold. And I'm going to bring the pizza also because they, 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 they were great. They're all great. The EMS. The, uh, the, the ambulances, all, everybody was there. I was even feeding families, nice families that came from Arkansas, Detroit, wow. all these different states. Wow. It, it was nice to see people there, and they weren't afraid. And they kept, they Anthony Grimaldi, thank you for loving people. Thank you we for deliver, you. delivering the pizza on Rockefeller Center for the Christmas tree, and we're going to catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much. You guys are great. God bless. Thank, Thank you. you. The best. Let's the take that break great. right now. And I understand we got John Solomon on the other phone. Let's take that break and read a brill. You'll bring back John Solomon. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, great investigative journalist, John Solomon. Uh, John, what is going on with the J6 committee? Some big news. <laughs> well, yeah, there's uh, some vanished evidence. Evidence has disappeared, according to the chairman of the House Administration Oversight Subcommittee. He's the guy that inherited the January 6th case. He says all of the videotaped depositions, the witness interviews that the January 6th committee conducted are missing. They're gone. Uh, the, the former chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson, says he got rid of them. That is raising great concerns because Congress is supposed to preserve any evidence that it introduced in hearings. And these video depositions, pieces of them were introduced at the hearings. It looks to be a violation of Congress's rules and 
Why were they destroyed? Nobody knows, but there's a great mystery there. Meanwhile, the star witness from last uh, the summer of 2022 hearings, the J6 hearings, Cassidy Hutchinson, the former Trump White House aide, we have now learned that after she got her TV and television appearance and her um, her big testimony, she came back to the committee in September of 2022 and made substantial changes to her testimony, major changes in the story. These aren't like technical corrections. She submitted 15 pages of what are known as errata, changes to the testimony. They involve very substantive issues like what car was President Trump driving back and forth from with the Secret Service to the rally? Were there really chance of hang Mike Pence? Um, and other very substantive issues that captured all of our attention during the hearing, she made substantive changes to all of their, her accounts. Wait, wait, so wait. second after the cameras are off. So, yeah, explain the time frame, right? So there's the hearing. She says all this dramatic right. testimony. We all remember it. And even the Secret Service yeah. guys didn't back her up. Um, so how long afterwards did she change it? It's, and did they rectify it to the public? Well, they never told the public about this errata. We just got it recently from Congressman Barry Loudermilk, the same guy that told us that the videotapes are missing. And that this is very important. The videotapes might show how uh, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson was testifying. You'd see her body English. You can see her looking at the lawyers. But they got rid of those tapes, so we'll never be able to tell. Let me lay out the timetable. February 2022, uh, she does the first of four closed-door interviews with Congress. That, that is the testimony she later changes. She then gives her public testimony. She then goes back and tries to change her private testimony to match her public testimony because there's a major conflict. The only problem is nobody knew that she had given an earlier account. So she's trying to change major accounts that she gave in her depositions to match what she gave in her open testimony. This is the sort of issue that normally would come up in cross-examination. Serious issue about the credibility of the witness. We were all kept in the dark about it. So now why didn't Congress say, wait a minute, this is different than what you said in private? Why didn't they hold her feet to the fire, or did they? Well, they didn't. That's the problem. And I think uh, the J6 committee has a lot of questions it's now facing and answering, right? Why did they not show us the tapes of the security failures? Why didn't they tell us about the intelligence failures? Now we find out they didn't tell us that a major witness had given different accounts over different periods of time, something that would be very important for the public to know. The J6 committee has faced a lot of criticism from Republicans that it was one-sided, that there was no true uh, Republican presence on the committee that could question or cross-examine the evidence. A lot of people say that the information emerging now, like this with Cassidy Hutchinson, shows why it's important to have hearings that have um, a complete transparency and a contested sort of um, venue where people who want to prove their innocence can also come in and contest it, something that didn't happen in the January 6th committee. It was Democrat-run, Democrat-controlled, Democrat-scripted. Remember, they brought in the Hollywood experts to create the production. So it had more to do with production than maybe a complete accounting of the facts. Wow, that is stunning. And before we let you go, uh, John Solomon, uh, you also have some big details. Uh, James Comer has replied to Hunter Biden, who said he wanted to testify uh, in public. He has. Yep. Uh, he uh, just sent a letter to Abby Lowell uh, making two very important statements. The first is, we consider what you've been doing, Abby Lowell, as the lawyer for Hunter Biden, to be intimidation and bullying of an official Congress proceeding. So we're putting you on notice. Stop making up or challenging or saying things that aren't true. And secondly, Hunter Biden doesn't get to dictate the terms upon which he comes to Congress. He's been subpoenaed. He must submit to a closed-door deposition like every other witness. He doesn't get to have privilege as the son's uh, president's son, and we expect him to show up on uh, December 13th. 
and appear for that interview. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. James Comer has done an interview that's going to air tonight with me on my television show there. Comer says very clearly he will take Hunter Biden to court and force the subpoena. And also, he doesn't believe it's time for Hunter Biden to stop getting all this privileged treatment in Washington. He's going to be treated like every other witness. Bravo, bravo. Wow. Well, let's see where this all goes. Uh, John Solomon, thank you so much. Uh, we love having you on. Keep us posted and let us know what happens with the, the missing evidence. Uh, that is really troubling. Absolutely. We'll keep you up to date. All right. Thank you so much, John. And by the way, uh, guys, this just in, uh, Biden, you know, in the probe of all the emails that are supposed to come in in the Hunter Biden case. Um, and he said, Oh no, I did hand in some emails. He handed in 14 emails, John, out of 82,000 with the pseudonyms, literally 14, one four out of 82,000. Mean, listen to me. It, 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 he's making a joke out of uh, things. It's bad. He's made a joke at a Supreme Court. The Supreme Court told him, stop giving away money. Uh, in the uh, case of uh, student, loans. Uh, student, student loans. loans, right, and he keeps doing uh, it, and he keeps doing it. He ke- and how does how is so? Where, it's where is where is the rule of law, Judge? I yes, mean, Judge Judge Weinberg. You were a Judge, uh, Judge Venizelos. You were the uh, FBI uh, Governor. You Blame were the Governor. governor. I don't know. No, but where is the rule of law? Uh, I know what their excuse is. What is it? The excuse is they're relying on a different statute. That's their excuse. And, but why isn't it being tested? Why aren't people well, going, wait, you right. got slapped down? Yeah, I understand. But they have a different statute, and they're relying on a different statute, and that's the reason they think they can get away with it for the short term. And again, as John has correctly pointed out. There is no it, rule of law. Yes. Right. And it's also, it's all about the politics. Because buying it was a sucker, the votes. It was buying the votes. It was a sucker bet. He told these kids he'd give them all this free money, and that's how they voted. And that's what it was about. It was never about following the rule of law. Well, and, 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 and eventually, yeah. the, and eventually, as the judge said, uh, they're going to come after them because you can't forum shop when you're president. Well, he seems to be doing that. I mean, um, I, but that's my point. He's doing it. But I, I would think if, if they beat him in court once, they'll beat him again. Yeah, but by the time it goes through the process, that's the well, question, that's, right? That's, and yeah, they'll well, be like, that's, uh, that's, yeah, 2024 was a while ago, you know? Right. Yeah, no, that's that's right, but... It's the same, you know, it is, it's a, it's very comparable to the situation where the Supreme Court, the state of Pennsylvania, violated their, their obligations because the legislature of Pennsylvania makes the rules on elections and they violated. And that That's right. They changed right. And, and the Supreme Court of the United States failed in its obligation to take up that case and it impacted the election. You know, I Patterson, agree with our you. Our esteemed governor is absolutely correct. Things can change, but it will change after the fact. And that's why you're right, Peter, you know, Rita, I'm very concerned about it because they have to hold Biden accountable. Yeah. And uh, to your point, I mean, I'm surprised that case didn't get heard. I agree with you. The Supreme Court, I mean, this is serious, has no guns. Yeah, they have no guns. I but, mean, yeah. if they violated Supreme Court, who are they depending on to do to, 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 uh that's just support him. You know, it's very funny you said that because that's exactly what Andrew Jackson said when he was president of the United States. He said, where's yeah, what their did he army? T- what did he yeah, tell you? Just, what did he tell you, Judge? Yeah, he and I went home <laughs> one night. A Tuesday night, I remember vividly. And he, and he said to me, where's their army? But but you know what? It's it's all about all this election stuff. And, John, it also goes to your comment about what a surprise he's pushing now as we're seeing all of these young people because he's losing the young votes 
Young people are split on obviously all the stuff with Israel, Hamas. All that's why he's doubling down on climate change, trying to get those folks, even though it doesn't work, as we've been talking with all the EVs and everything else. He's doubling down, um, and we're starting to see him talk about gas prices, uh, interest rates. John, you have a theory, right? That that essentially, uh, as we are heading to twenty twenty four, what a surprise! Things are going to go down and become more affordable. And he's hoping people aren't going to forget X years of pain, Judge. Look, the fact of the matter is, if you look at the uh, the Trump years when Biden took over, the interest rates were at a certain rate. They went skyrocketing with Biden. So if they come down a little, so what? People are still hurt. They're still paying more for gas. They're paying more for food. They're paying more for medical care. So what? But that's, where the, but that's where the GOP judge needs to do a better job because he says it came down. But that's like saying uh, it was uh, it's only 98 degrees because it was 100 last week. This is a crisis. <laughs> I think this is a crisis in our country. When somebody doesn't obey the Supreme Court, who what happens? Well, it's just like with Merrick Garland, well, John, with the AG. When someone violates a subpoena, let's what happens? Let's discuss it on Monday. And uh, what, give me time to think about it. <laughs> give me time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way.